Zangamanza, good evening to you, my brother. How are you doing? I, uh, I'm well, thanks. How do you do, sir? I'm well, man. I'm well. I, I always enjoy speaking about the South African Post Office. Uh, yes. I lament yes, it also because I feel like it's such a waste of an opportunity. But, uh, I mean, let's talk about, I guess, the issues at play. On the one hand, there's an entire narrative potentially around the privatization of the SAPO. On the other, there is SAPO wasted opportunity. You've got a monopoly on small parcels. You've got massive reach uh, and extension into far-flung parts of the country where even some of your e-commerce and courier players don't even go. You are there when as the post office. And you still are finding yourself in a situation where you're subsidized, making year-on-year losses. Yamgela, where does technology fit into part of the solution? Um, and maybe some of your thoughts also, I guess, on this uh, offer here that we hear of Mark Barnes and Co. Um, to privatize this entity. Mark Barnes and Co. want to take between 65 and 75% of ownership at the post office. Mm. Um, I don't know at what uh, cost would they be proposing that kind of shareholding, sure. but the infrastructure and the potential that is the post office it's a very, very expensive asset. And the South African government, uh, with policies to turn around SOEs, if they want to still keep SOEs because we don't have a clear direction in policy as to what's going to happen really to SOEs, we're still in limbo. But if, if, if policy still dictates that we want strong, capable, well-performing uh, and self-sustaining SOEs. The post office is just one of those assets. Like you say, it's got the reach and the footprint uh, that even your big players in e-commerce like take a lot just do not have. It's got uh, already the infrastructure in delivery and the methodology around the delivery. Uh, few, few companies uh, around the world have the sophistication and delivery methods that the South African post office would have, and there would be your big international couriers uh, and and major companies like Amazon uh, or Flipkart and and, and Alibaba uh, in the East. So uh, it it definitely has a lot of potential. And if we start looking at uh, post office from a technological point of view and what it can do outside the outdated model of delivering letters, how it can play into the e-commerce space as, as, as a service provider to anyone and everyone who really wants to do e-parcels because that is their speciality, taking parcels from the one person and delivering them to the doorstep of the next. Uh, And if they build a model around that and be able to build a strong e-commerce capability, then they can take over anyone and everyone because then they can move into payments, they can move into all sorts of things that support this core business around e-services. And, and, I mean, I guess a lot of their capability lends itself to that. Parcel fulfillment, uh, massive reach, um, tracking, monopoly, everything. tracking, <laughs> all of that stuff. I mean, they've got a monopoly on small parcels under one kilogram. Um, yes. Which they've not used for the last few decades or so. You're seeing the emergence of the Postnets and others dominating that space. And with retailers, I mean, the likes of Pep and others, who have effectively cornered that market. All of those are the areas where ideally these guys would be playing. I mean, I've got to figure with e-commerce and that space, but I'm just saying just parcel delivery, parcel moving parcels from one town to the next. That should have been the mainstay. That should have been the mainstay, and it's, it's the main capability. 
the post office has the resources for that. They've got the warehousing, the sorting, the me- the, the mechanisms to make sure that uh, they have a monopoly on taking a parcel from here to any place in the country, because uh, that is what their core service has always been. It's just a matter of modernizing it and making sure that it plays to what is needed at the time. Of course, uh, gone are the days where people are going to buy stamps and post letters to their loved ones or fast mail or whatever. Fast mail uh, generally is gonna has gone out the window, in fact. Uh, but the adaptability of the post office to be able to use that same infrastructure for things as even as basic as a lot of the retailers in, in, in the FMCG space are moving towards online shopping. That's a capability of the post office because they have the vehicle, they have the means to be able to track uh, and receive orders on behalf and, and, and provide those services of delivering groceries and, and, and other goods of online retailing to people that need to be uh, delivered to as a service provider because uh, a lot of the people who actually do want to sell things online do not have the, the logistic or career capability to be able to handle that. And that's a space that the post office can utterly dominate because the infrastructure is already in place, so they don't need to put CAPEX to be able to source out the vehicles, the warehousing, the sorting. They already have it there, right? They're just waiting to be used. Yeah. The other the other opportunity, Amgela, as a window into government services and, you know, payment, right? Anything from paying your TV license, paying your municipal water bill, paying for your license disc, which they already do, um, or even signing up for certain, you know, um, I guess government things, right? So you might sign up for a retail bond. You might sign up for, you know, uh, your taxes there. You might sign up for or, or signal that you want to, you know, instead of queuing at home affairs, signal that, hey, I'm a, I want to apply for an ID. Here's my birth certificate. All, all of those things. Because when you go in there, there's always two or three kiosks out of maybe 15. The rest are empty. So yes. why is this not being repurposed into a one-stop shop for all interface or one-stop window for all interface with government? That's the window I go to. And then when I get there, I, I might be told, no, actually, this one you can't do here. You might want to have to go to SARS or you might want to go to SASA or, you know, DSD or whatever. And it's it's important in that way because... The post office has the largest footprint, as we've it reiterated many times over this conversation, that um, even in the, in the far-flung areas of the country, mm. people will be able to access the post office and be able to inquire about whatever government services. Uh, if people can apply for an ID and capture their details, I mean, we've given the service to banks. Mm. Banks are now able to pro, pro, uh, like process uh, ID document sure. applications. Sure. Uh, there's nothing stopping uh, a post office, Emakaya, somewhere to be able to help people instead of traveling uh, many kilometers to the nearest town. Then they have a post office. They can be able to apply for critical government services and be able to access and interface with them through the post office. That's a, a capability that is very clear and, and therefore the hanging. Uh, you remember a few years ago there was. There was a springing up of so-called multi-purpose government centers where you found different government departments uh, being in one building. And 
new infrastructure was being built for this. But the post office infrastructure is right there and underutilized, as you mentioned, and it could be repurposed for this and for this particular uh, way of moving towards e-government because then uh, the infrastructure to make sure that people can access e-government, the Wi-Fi provision, uh, the computing, and people to assist them in e-governance and being able to apply for these paperless things online can be done there right at the post office. Hey, you know, I mean, so much value left on the table. Um, So much value. And I think the other issue is financial services. Um, We've been talking about Postbank for years, getting a commercial banking license. I mean, what would it mean to have Postbank not only getting a a commercial license, but uh, the potential of having this as an avenue for significant cash transfers? I mean, the fact that people use retailers to do cash transfers, to send cash, is indicative of the fact that um, there's still massive uh, transactional opportunities uh, insofar as, you know, the share of pocket of um, many poor uh, consumers or many poor people who want to send money uh, is concerned. I mean, you're seeing it, ShopRite, Pep, Spa, all of these guys in some shape or form are partnering in order to be able to do that type of fulfillment using the footprint that they have. The fact that there's a spa in Mkanduli and there's also a spa in Bryanston allows for that transfer, I guess. Absolutely. So the post office uh, was supposed to be leading in this. And, and I, I, I don't know for the life of me what is the, the hurdle uh, that needs to be jumped for the post office to have been issued a commercial banking license because uh, post bank has been there albeit not being a commercial bank, but what is it that needs to be done further to prove that it has the capability and the capacity, and it's also state-backed, to be able to then start accessing uh, the commercial banking license and offering such things, not just just, uh, only money transfers uh, over the counter, but um, mobile money, vouchering, all sorts of services that would then be possible by the post office having that banking license would then make it an even wider uh, or an even bigger uh, source of revenue for the government as an SOE. And if the government decides to part privatize, it still would be a lucrative uh, business, even for the shareholders, mm-hmm. uh, because now uh, you you have something uh, to the nature of what uh, when, when the data uh, Bundes post. Uh, was privatized in 1995 to become what DHL has evolved into. Uh, The potential is there for post office, not in the postage or courier space, but in the financial Mm. service and e-commerce space to now be able to have issuance of its own uh, banking banking functions and still be able to take payments and and protect those payments and still issue e-commerce services. Are you saying DHL used to be state-owned? Yes, DHL was a state-owned company in Germany. It used to be called the Deutsche Bundespost, and then it became the Deutsche Post, which is what DHL, uh, which is the parent group of, of DHL. So uh, a, a, a lot of uh, actually companies in the West that used to be state-owned postal services, like UK Mail was bought by DHL also. Uh, they used to be state-owned, and then uh, as promulgation of the privatization of state-owned companies happened, uh, they happened to be privatized as well. Yo, Yamgela, we're going to have to leave this one here for tonight, man. But um, I think one of these days we might want to bring in uh, the um, minister here. Uh, to talk to us, uh, Kumbuzo Nchabeni, because 
Uh, I saw a few weeks ago um, in one of the Sunday papers, I mean, a uh, expression of interest that they put out uh, of people who might have ideas on what to do with the real estate. And I think for me, the real estate has to follow some of the applications of a new post office and what that could potentially be. It's not clearly just about stamps anymore. But let's leave it there, my brother. As always, a pleasure catching up with you. Good night, Yada, and good night to the listeners. Thank you very much. Yeah. Let's dump an envelope. Neposi. Let's take this brief break. And uh, yeah, when we come back, we speak to uh, the bosses. We move from one SOC to another. And uh, we speak to the SABC after this.